On this week's Bet the Process podcast, we have Seth Byrne on, which is, I would say, uh, as an understatement, an enlightening experience for us. Um, And we talk politics and we talk about why Rufus and I are both net negatives for the sports betting media landscape or sports betting industry broadly. And um, yeah, it's it's an interesting experience. And with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to this week's Bet the Process podcast. Rufus and I are about to have Seth Byrne on, and we actually already had him on, so we kind of know what's going to be said. So we want to prepare you a little bit for that. We we talk a little bit about elections uh, and his election picks, and you know that's why we wanted to have him on. Uh, he had a, a, a different agenda, which was kind of calling us out on some specific things that come out of the the Seville world of gambling. Um, the the reactions that I have, honestly, is, is, is this isn't something that I've really thought about in a long time. And, and he would probably say that's a big problem by me because I haven't thought about it. And it was really about the relationship that we have with uh, different people in the industry who may have once sold picks or may sell picks. Um, and it, it, it's a nuanced discussion, right? A very nuanced discussion. Um, where he, he calls us out on a bunch of things. And like, I, I think if you have someone like Seth on, you have to be prepared for that. I don't think I was prepared for it, but I, I think it was fine um, to have that discussion. Um, I think that, you know, we approach it from two completely different, you know, standpoints, at least not completely different, but his viewpoint is, is uh, there is no nuance, right? Right. It's very and, black and, and white. It's so it, it's interesting I'm just warning you guys in advance because it gets into be a very weedy conversation um, where he tells both of us that we're net negatives for the industry. <laughs> and I, I actually may, might agree with him, but for different reasons um, than, than what he said. But uh, I don't know what, do, you know, like reflecting back on that conversation, Rufus, do you have thoughts or things that you'd like to highlight to our listeners, all seven of them before they dive into this interview with Seth? No, I'll, I'll just let them listen and yeah. make up their own minds. I mean, it'd be interesting to have a point of view. Obviously, um, we talk about a few of our friends and, and longtime list and, and guests that we've had on. Um, there's, you know, disagreements about these people and their value in the ecosystem. Um, I think we would feel strongly that they, they have value in the ecosystem. And Seville sounds like they would, they, they, they have, they disagree. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I feel that you should judge somebody just based on one thing or just based on a past action. I think that people are capable of change and people grow and evolve. And um, I think we tend to judge people based on who they are now rather than who they were in the past. Would you agree with that, Jeff? Yeah. I mean, but I don't think that's completely the point, right? I think the point is how hard line do you have on the tout stuff, because even you and I have had disagreements when you've decided to go on certain podcasts or associate with certain people. And there are, you know, I think that 
you know, he will, I, I think he, his, his line and, and the Seville line is very strict. Um, and, and maybe that's the right line ultimately, but I, I do think that there are more gray areas, at least in my mind. Um, you know, and, and again, like this is a, a, you guys should just listen if you care about this at all, but wanted to give you at least a, a heads up that that's where the, the uh, conversation devolves into. But first, but first we talk about politics and the election. Well, we actually talk about politics too, a which lot. is probably one of those things that most of our listeners will want to hang up on anyways. Well, it's betting though. Gives us Seth, People, what's that? It's betting. People, our listeners love No, but game. I don't know if you were paying attention to the part where I actually ask him what he thinks about what the world would be in, in, a, better, well, in a better presidential Right, that was just one. Outcome. That was like 10 seconds worth of time. Yeah, but most people are going to barf on a you know, talking about politics beyond betting politics. Okay. Well, it's mostly about betting politics. So have a listen and maybe you can make some money or not. What did you think about his, his, uh, his, his take on my Sloan performances? Mm, I wished you would call people out a little more, but I do understand. I do understand not being able to, um, because yeah, it's, of, I think it's I, I completely become, understand where you come from as well. So I think the, the, the most specific, the William Hill, Sharon Otterman one was, was, um, I mean, it was, it was tough <laughs> to, to, to hold back on what I wanted to say, but obviously they were, you know, there were, there were challenges with that, but I mean, it's fair. It's fair. Well, Jeff, this is supposed to be an intro. So, okay. Yeah, I That's say we let, let the people so let the people we'll listen. Welcome in Seth now, and he can he you can hear him do his thing. Welcome to an emergency edition of the Bet the Process podcast, where we're joined by, I think probably one of my favorite people on Twitter, Seth Byrne. Um, I don't even know if that's your real name. I I don't I know the stories that Ted Knutson tells us about all of you guys living together in New York at some point. Um, we probably need to do proper justice to have you back on at some point, but. We wanted to ha- have you on as as the uh, probably the 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 most authoritative pay- person that we could get on talking election analytics, whose name isn't Nate Silver, and so we we got you instead. Uh, tell tell me a little bit about where you think that this is going right now. We've I don't know if you've heard any of our recent conversations, but last week we talked about you know, and I got into something with Nate um, recently about you know, the market being much different than uh, what his polls are saying and, and whatnot. So I, I guess start off by kind of giving us a summary of, of where you stand on this and where you'd put your money. All right. First of all, let me just start off by saying Seth Byrne is, in fact, my real name. Cool. Uh, I have a brother named Shane, uh, which is a great cowboy name, Shane Byrne. In any event, um, you brought up Nate. And I'm tracking his political bets this year against the Green Knight. I don't know if you saw that post up on the blog, but it's just Nate Silver and others dance with the Green Knight. And so you can guys can check that out later. Uh, but yeah, I, I see what he's betting what is on. The, what's, the, what's your blog so everyone knows so they can go Seth to it? Burn at WordPress, SethBurn.wordpress.com. It's just something simple. Right. Um, I like it. To the point. So in terms of what I'm betting on, Let's see. I have my, my largest bet is on uh, Trump winning Texas. That's the most. Ooh, I like I like hearing this because we have a lot on Trump winning Texas as well. That's funny. Uh, I have the GOP taking both Senate uh, seats in Georgia. 
Although what I'm seeing with the special now, it's going to be a pretty exciting race. I wasn't expecting it to be this close. I also predicting a Trump and Tillis sweep in North Carolina, Tillis being my one biggest upset. I got in an Ernst winning Iowa before the Setzer poll. Um, that was really good news for that wager. I now have regrets for not betting on Trump winning Iowa. I just didn't even think about it, I suppose. Uh, I have Peters and Biden sweeping Michigan. I have Smith and Biden sweeping Minnesota. And I also have Graham winning in South Carolina. I can't believe they allowed me to bet on that. But uh, people believe in Harrison. They think he's alive. I do not. So in terms of the actual election itself, um, the actual presidential election, where are you on that? What do you make that line? Because Rufus was telling me, one of the reasons we decided to do this was Rufus is telling me he was like mortgaging the house that he doesn't own, the future house that he may own one day, uh, to put money down on Biden because he thinks it's like a Mayweather type event right now, Mayweather-McGregor type event. There does seem to be a lot of, that, that seems to be the example that people are giving of why this market is out of whack, but I don't really believe that to be the case. I think there's maybe a 10 to 11% shot that Trump just straight wins straight up, but that doesn't necessarily win the election. There's a lot of ways you could win. You could win at the Supreme Court level. You win by controlling the state legislatures. I mean, tomorrow's the Super Bowl for everything the GOP has planned for. They're doing their, they're, they're playing hardball. And that's got to give them an additional 15, 20, who knows how much percent. That counts too. And the market has to take that into account. Right. And Nate Silver does not take that into account. In fact, I saw today he actually had a disclaimer that said that he's not accounting for that specifically. So you say 10 to 15% maybe or more? Uh, that, that, let, let's say 10 to 15% he went straight up and then uh, at least 15% that the rest of it could win for Trump. So I, I, would, I would go, let's say 12 and 18. So he's roughly a 30, you, you think a 30% chance to win? Yeah. And that's about what the market has him, right? The market's mm. a little bit uh, higher on him than that. Got it. Higher than seven. Okay. Cause so I, so I have but, Biden but, bets. The market is a little below 70% on Biden. Right. Okay. Below that. I was like, right. uh, yeah, I have Biden bets averaging about minus 180. So yeah, that's, I'm, that's I'm the glad they're plus EV. I mean, look, we are going to find it in a month or two. Who wins? Yeah. So why, why do you think that, um, for so we had mentioned the the Traval, Trafalgar group. <laughs> and, well, no, I here. Okay, here. Let me let me make the case for this. Okay, and and I know that they're hucksters, and I know that we're not a we're not big believers in it. But if I go back to sports and how we think about where you gain an edge in sports, it's by having foundationally better data or different data than anyone else does, and therefore you can build better models which create an efficiency. So tell me why I'm wrong in thinking that their approach to getting better data isn't the right approach to start with in terms of getting better models. Because they're making shit up. You think they're just like overfitting to what they want? I don't think they're overfitting. I think they're making shit up. <laughs> like you think they're literally just making shit up and putting it Oh in yeah, mind. I think they're lying. Did you read oh. Nate Silver's response to, I mean, basically saying that you know, some of the assumptions that what, I guess Trump gets like 30% of Democrats or something in Michigan. Does like, that, that's not that a realistic thing. Test. 
That is not going to happen. He may win Michigan, but it's not going to be because he gets thirty percent of the Dems. He so he um, in in this in this case of the Trafalgar Group, and and again, like you guys may not think it's worth the time to even talk about them, um, but there are relatively sane people that I know that have referenced them to me, and it's because they were able to last year. So, do you think basically last year they just got lucky, or, or four clock. years ago? What's that? Stop clock. The stop clock will occasionally be right. Right. Got it. Okay, so now how about this? Outline for me the most realistic path for how Trump wins. Beyond, oh, the, beyond uh, the sort Pennsylvania, of... Pennsylvania, Arizona, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina. So he basically wins all of these battleground states, and that's what he has to do. Yeah. That's yeah. the path. Um, mind you, you can put win in parentheses. All that counts is the final score. It doesn't matter how many people vote for you. It's how many votes get counted on your behalf. When you, um, when you put your position on in Texas, what were, what were the numbers there? Because I'm assuming they must have changed quite a bit after the last debate. Um, my average price, I guess, is between 3 and 3.3. Okay. So it's 3.3 right now. So it still seems reasonable. What do you what do you estimate that to be? Um, my internals in Texas would be significantly higher than three point three. I don't think Texas is in play. Just the mechanics of how that state works. I do not believe that it is a state that could be turned blue at this point. But I could be wrong. We shall see. And if I'm wrong, a lot of money goes away. More than Djokovic, as a matter of fact. If you're wrong, so, though, if you're wrong, there's no way there's no way Trump can win. Yeah. Correct. If there's no there's no map where Trump wins and loses Texas, that that I actually can't think of anything. And I looked at this once before, and it was just an impossible map. That's interesting. So I wonder if the position. I wonder. I'm just trying to think about what the right position would be for your portfolio with Texas as a the key the key state. You could be all in on on that, and then. Or whatever. I am I mean, back all in on that. Do you, you have Do you have anything? Do you have anything on who wins the race overall? Just the general um, presidential. I election. do, but it's it's small relative to Texas. So do you? So what do you think? In and that, general, I assume that money positions on Biden. Yes. So what do you think in general about the efficiency of political prediction markets, specifically the general election market, relative to? Um, I guess, polls and relative to the efficiency of sort of these smaller markets like the House and Senate seats in these states? So the Senate markets aren't actually as small as you might be suggesting. The House markets are. But the Senate, Senate races can get some real money in on them. Um, Webb versus Allen, I believe, years ago, got a ton of money on it. Um, the markets themselves are actually pretty good, and historically they've been so. Now, Nate is an interesting case because he's been profitable in election markets. I tracked him in 2016. He was profitable in the primaries, and he was profitable in the general. And he made um, me money in 2016 and 2012. Hmm. I had forgotten about 2012. I, I wasn't sure how long Nate had been doing this, but I do remember 16. I mean, he got his start in 2008. That was that's how we broke onto the scene. He was doing it anonymously. Oh, right, fifty for fifty. Exactly. Went yeah, I remember during his prospectus days. That. Yeah. So okay, so let's talk about the political model, political markets. The argument I got into with Nate, he said that there's not people with sophisticated models betting 
into these markets. Do you think that's not true? I believe that to be not true, correct. <laughs> Do you think that there are betters out there, a significant amount of betters that have better models than Nate has? Um, no, Nate's models actually aren't that bad, but it's how to apply them in. That's almost like a, that's almost like a quotable thing for you. Like I've I've never heard you say something so nice about. It's a compliment. Before. Yeah, that's. I'll, I'll I'll give him that. Like the math itself, he's good at math. Um, and back in the day before he became a prognosticator, before he became a pundit, the site was excellent. Now now there's more commentary, I might say, which isn't necessarily so helpful. But if you're one of the things I've been saying on Twitter recently is modeling elections is hard. And that's because there's a lot of things that the models aren't necessarily going to take into account. And they are, they are not neutral. They favor a side. And so you can't just ignore them. Or if you do, you'll lose money in the long run. How, how do you then create a model that's not biased? And this is, so this is interesting, right? Because essentially you're saying that there's some like first principles or something that go into your model that, that makes it such that it's going to be biased based on, explain to me how that bias, I guess, get, it gets introduced. Well, you want to remove the bias. You have to actually look at real elections. Let's look at Florida, 2018, Quinnipiac. Uh, last poll had Nelson up seven and Gillum up seven. And you'll know that Nelson is no longer a senator and Gillum is not the governor. And where, what, like, what would you attribute that, that inaccuracy from? Or the, the, that gaffe from, I guess? You'd look at the actual election results compared to what the predictions were and see, okay, this is the kind of error we're making. And you look at that in election after election after election and you look to see where and what biases your polls are getting wrong. You, you, you simply test and test and test. That's you the think that, of making shit up. You actually run the numbers over and over and over and over. Do you think the polls in this election cycle have adjusted for those biases in 2016? They, they certainly have fought the last war. If, that's, if they wanted to fix the educated versus uneducated weights, they've done that. Doesn't mean they won't lose the next war. The polling so, error can get around the marginal line. So Nate says, like, he says that there's go there can be polling error, but we don't know where it's going to come from. Nobody knows where it's going to come from. Do you agree with that? Or do you think yes, there's certain? Absolutely. Okay. In terms of polling error, what I, I'm talking about things beyond polling error, though. I'm talking about hardball. I'm talking about putting fingers on the scales and trying to win elections. Voter suppression. That's what political parties do. Poll watchers. Oh, all, all of it. I mean, tomorrow, tomorrow we're going to see stuff we haven't seen before. Tomorrow, I'm sure we're going to see something new. Because it's not the GOP isn't the party I have imagined them to be. Is blocking the Garden State Parkway just kind of like the JV? We're going to see varsity tomorrow? I mean, yeah, they, they, they actually blocked the... You know what? When it's blocked, I'll call it the Mario Cuomo. Normally, I call it the Tappan Zee Bridge. But if it's going to be shut down, I'll call it the Mario Cuomo. <laughs> So if you were going to run an election, would you rather have Jeff Luno and AJ Hinch running it or Bill Belichick running it? Bill. Because that's what we're talking about here, right? You're talking about pulling out all the stops to, to create all the small edges. That Absolutely, you Bill. Bill is a master of one of the longest and most complicated rule books you'll find. Actually, you won't find. It's very hard to find the NFL rule book. But he's a master of it. And that takes some real skill. 
and knowledge. And that's what elections are. It's a bunch of bunch of rules. Some can be bent, others broken. Do you have any point of view on from, you know, beyond, I'm, I'm curious about, and we're not a political podcast, but obviously since you're on it, and uh, do you have any point of view on which will be a better America? <laughs> um, talking about the America where Trump is reelected or the America where Biden wins? Yes. Biden, not close. And what, what do you attribute that to? Because we actually have, I think, a lot of Trump listeners that are, that are listening to this podcast. So it'd be interesting to get your point of view on why that is. Okay. First thing is I'm going to look at it from the perspective of, say, the State Department. Our political power across the world, soft and hard, has greatly diminished under Trump. We have been isolated from our, I want to say at this point, former allies, and I would suggest that a Biden presidency would, if not fix all of that, would begin repairing it, begin repairing our international standing and our international alliances. And then there's the economic arguments. I am on Team Yang. I'm on Team UBI now or soon or else. And I think that is much more likely under a Democratic administration. Um, then there's and you issues just, with judges. The disparity of wealth has gotten too, too great, and the only way to deal with it is through something like UBI. I mean, the one thing I think voters care about, perhaps even more than healthcare, is wages. And that's, that's, that's a whole other long discussion. But I do believe that in the future, wages will simply have to be supplemented, or else we're going to have some real problems. But again, it, these are just things that I believe Biden can deal with. I also think, just in terms of actual just doing the job of presidency, Trump is not particularly interested in it, in it and he outsources it. Um, I think Biden, he's been running for president for 32 years now. Started, I think he first ran in 88, so I guess he started in 87. That's so crazy. <laughs> yeah, so I think he really wants the job and I imagine there are good things he's gonna do with it. But we'll see. You don't know do you until someone actually has the power in their hands. Do you think that he would, um, do you think that he made the right choice of a running mate? Would the, would there have been a better choice for him to actually maximize his opportunity to, to win the presidency? I was advocating for a choice from New Mexico, whose name I cannot correctly pronounce because I've only seen it written and never seen it said. But I also don't think vice president's choices matter all that much. Actually, I don't think this year matters at all. Really? Because yeah. I feel like a lot of my more middle-the-road friends were very anti-Kamala and felt feel like the, because of the advancement in Biden's age that the vice president matters a lot in this election. I mean, it might matter for the presidency. I don't think it matters for the election. Uh, but I also felt that Biden was in a situation where he wanted to pick a woman. He wanted to pick an African-American. And there was one in the Senate. And the Democrats, I think, have picked senators as running mates for how many straight times? It's pretty much a trend with them. It's what they do. And Biden certainly was going to, good being a senator. Being, he, knows, he was going to pick someone he knew. And he's, he knows Kamala. So. Did you have uh, Kamala futures for the I vice presidency? I did not have any articulated, uh, except some long shots. It sounds like you just articulated a very good argument about why she should have been the overwhelming favorite, which she was, which in she fact, was. the overwhelming favorite. Yeah. It was no, her versus the field. 
I took I took some long shots also that didn't pay off in that one. Yeah, life goes on. <laughs> All right, so tomorrow we're looking at Texas as your big as your big positions, your biggest position. That's the farmland. And wait, how, many, how many acres? How many acres are we talking? Ooh, we're talking Laker size, which is to say even more than the Dodgers. This is a Laker size. This is bigger than Djokovic, bigger than uh, the Dodgers. This is Laker size. This is big. So you had big bets on Djokovic and on the Dodgers also? Yeah, the Dodgers came through for me. Uh, Lakers came through for me. Djokovic lost, I believe, the first eight games of the match, maybe more. He got waxed in the final. What um, I can we it. just re, can we recap these again just so we have prices attached to them? So you, you said Texas, which I'm looking at Chris right now, is minus three thirty for the Republicans. So the next biggest one was Ernst, but that was closer to Pickham when I got it. This was before Setzer. Tillis is an underdog around three to two, or at least was at the time. Plus plus one forty eight is what it looks like. So you like Tillis? Yeah. Uh, North Carolina was around Pickham when I got Trump there. Uh, GOP Senate uh, sweep, both of those were around uh, minus 150, uh, give or take a few points. Uh, Graham, South Carolina, has been anything from minus 350 to minus 450. Uh, Biden in Minnesota, I literally don't remember, but it wasn't all that high. Smith was uh, around five to one. And Peters and Biden in Michigan, this one, I don't think Peters is in much danger. And I only had to like, like around three to one on him. So we'll see. Biden to win Minnesota is now minus four forty or something like that. It was definitely less at the time. It was. It was. I know there was a delta between that and Smith, and I was comfortable in Smith around five to one. What do you think? Is there any other interesting prop bets out there on this election? Oh, there's got to be a ton of interesting prop bets. Doesn't mean I necessarily <laughs> thought much about them, but uh, I'm sure there's tons of. There's always interesting election props. What do you make? What do you make that? What do you make Iowa? You have that at this point. Yeah, it's got to still be live, but I'd figure in the two to one range. It's going to be a hard state for Biden to win, but not impossible. What do you think is more likely: a Trump landslide, a Biden landslide, or a very contested, you know? middle of the road kind of result i mean i guess there's only the two options there it's biden landslide or contested election so landslide i suppose would be the favorite and then there's contested i mean it's going to be contested but the question is is it meaningful is it is it a live uh shot for trump to overturn or win and more likely to blow up but we'll see what do you think we know at the end when we go to bed tomorrow night? Um, nothing. I'm going to be drunk. I'm going to start drinking around 5.30 p.m. What are you going to be drinking? Um, I was planning on drinking uh, Super Tuscan, but there's uh, behind uh, Rufus. Is that a sake pour? Is that? Or is that I don't know. I, I, I'm in a conference room in a WeWork, so. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Um, you remember that literally there's a whole leading towards the red wine. What are you going to be drinking, Rufus? I don't know. I might have to drink red wine also, but 
because it sounds so good and it feels like somehow I'll be on team Seth Byrne, but <laughs> I haven't made, I haven't made that decision yet. I just got on, I just got on your Texas bandwagon. So I'm with you guys on that. At least that'll be some solace because if, if somehow, if somehow he does win, uh, Biden does win and I lose that bet, I'll feel good about the fact that, that Biden won Texas. We have, we have six figures on Trump, Texas right now, but we have six figures on Biden general election also. I feel like, you know, it's a nice hedge, right? I, I mean, it's one of those situations where if the Texas bet loses, the other one is almost certain to win. Uh, I don't necessarily know that Biden winning is a hedge the same way. Right. It's a utility hedge, though. Do you, right. have, do you have anything on margin of victory? Uh, no, didn't wager on that. I mean, it, it, the, I don't really care in terms of the electoral. I made my electoral predictions, but a win's a win. 270 is the same as 408. Well, not right. if you're betting on the props. Right. But I don't really care in right. that sense. All right, man. We'll let you go. We know you got to. No, no, no. Hold, hold, hold on a second. I, I do uh, have to bring up a couple questions from Seville. Okay. Oh, well, we, we yeah. would love to have uh, some of the Seville guys on, but yeah, go, go ahead. So a question for Rufus, uh, you did a 30K heads up. Are you planning on giving out golf picks or not? I'm, I'm not ever going to give out golf picks, no. That, that seems unfortunate. Well, well, well I mean, I guess I, I guess I do every once in a while for like the Masters or something like that, but not, problem, in, not in a Seth, The problem with him giving out golf picks is he literally has taken all value out of the market when he gives them to you. So you, you assume that there's some value to what he does He's sucked it all out before he gives it out. Your value is probably going to be going the opposite way of me. Yeah, like it's it's because he moves the market so much. And if he's wrong, which he is sometimes, I am. you can yeah. bet the opposite. Okay. Well, you already gave the answer just a flat out no. So that is what it is. Uh, another question, and um, I'm going to have to give this one accurately. Do you think Sloan is anything more than a bunch of liars and charlatans blowing each other? Sloan, like the the conference it's school, yes. or well, it's also the, the a super well, it's a nice super spreader event too. I mean, so, I, 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 more than that. I I think I think Sloan is a very large conference that had really amazing intention from the beginning, but has grown into a a very large uh, event that I think ultimately there is still a lot of goodness there but you have to work pretty hard to find it. Fair enough. Uh, the next question is, um, you guys are friendly with a lot of people who don't make money betting. Is there a reason for that? Uh, who, sorry, my, let me reset. There's not that many people. You guys are friendly with a make... who's who of people who don't make money betting. Is there a reason for that? There's not a lot of people that make money betting. Hmm. Well, and I think if we had people that we felt like uh, – made money betting that would want to come on our podcast and would be happy to talk about what they do, we'd love to have them on. So if this is coming from Seville and we think that there are people that want to volunteer and show us some of their past results that, and they're interested in coming on our podcast, we'd love to have them on. And I'd love to be their friend. Who wouldn't want to be a friend with, who wouldn't want to be a friend with a winning better? 
I mean, it's more yeah. a question of why you guys are be friends with people who aren't wing betters, but I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. I mean, Wait, who, I feel I mean, like the is, world is in black. calling and... out is not winning betters, right? I mean, like, I think Cheetah is a winning better. I think Rob Pizzola is a winning better. Who else, who else do we have on? I'm actually or... glad you brought them up because they were part of the next one. Basically, the question, this was a question for me. Will I ever be able to get clean coming on the same podcast that Pizzola and Preston came on? And my answer is hopefully after I drank enough, I won't remember any of this. <laughs> what uh, do you, are those? Those so, are the specific people that people. Those are, well, some the, Pizzola, those are some of the names that came up. I'm glad you brought them up. Well, those guys have at one point sold picks. Is that the reason? I that that is in fact something that they have done. Yes. Do you think we should judge somebody in their entirety based on one action or something they did in the past life? I. I I mean, look, once you've blown a goat, you're a goat blower. It is what it is. We, I don't think, to my knowledge, we've never had a goat blower on the show. <laughs> so at least, at least that's like one advantage we have going for us. Mm. No, I mean, I, I think generally we have people on that we think we respect their process. And I think it's hard to know how how good someone is from a long-term perspective in betting and we all know that people go through runs where they do quite well and they do quite poorly um certainly both cheetah and rob are people that we know well enough to understand their process and think that they are uh can give interesting information um they did they sell i mean cheetah's selling picks in the past we've we've given them crap for that uh, i didn't even know rob it's i guess we did talk about he sold picks at one point but he bought what was that site like the predictor or the predict prediction machine? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Any other any other questions, Seth? Mm, no, I, I I think I'm gonna let it, let it go at this one. I mean, you guys stand where you stand. Um, the final question, if I were to ask, would be: as, Are you familiar with the chart? Yeah, of course. The Sprager chart. Yeah. Of course. And. I think the chart is flawless. I think it is a perfect encapsulation of the logic at every step. Um, but clearly you guys disagree. I, I'm still unclear on what you're giving us crap about. You're giving us crap about having giving people that were once touts. Giving and a platform to touts. We are, well, to people that used to be touts, not to people that are touts. I think there's a distinction there. I obviously we have to agree to disagree on the distinction. I understand that you're not giving a, a platform. Well, the once and future tout, T.H. White, the once and future king. Someone is a tout once before, there's nothing stopping them from becoming one again. But the point is, they are who they are. They've done what they've done. I would consider these disqualifying actions, but we disagree on this. You don't think people can change? Or that people's views evolve? For the most part, if someone were to renounce it, agree with Sprager and say what I did was wrong and Tatting is wrong, but I don't think we've seen that from any of them. The, your, your argument from them is they've stopped selling picks, which, which means they've changed. That does not seem to hold much water, but again, we would disagree. I also it, think that people who get in the, into this industry initially maybe don't have all that information that, you know, you and I have the benefit of, of having now in terms of knowledge of the industry and, and that chart, right? I mean, you still know ethics. 
you still know you're selling garbage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand what you're saying, Seth. And, and I, I think that fundamentally, if we, we, we have made a point, right, to really never have anyone on that, that currently sells picks. Now, it is, is our have, what's that? That is your red line? Uh, well, no, I mean, I, that's one of them, right? That's, that's a line that we, you know, we don't want to, I mean, we've, we've made a point, I think, to call touts out as much as possible. No, 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 no. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite comments from the thread was, uh, this is a question, a question for a bit, uh, the process. Rufus, that appears to be a dog's name. Why is the only command that you know to roll over? The fact, is have an you guys, that or? <laughs> the fact is you guys have been very unwilling to call out touts. And Wait, have you, have you never... It to be because you want to be friendly with them. You want to be friendly with people in the industry. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you know how much you know about this stuff, but I literally have people that I'm no longer friends with because of this podcast and because of us calling them out. Like, there was a time when I was friendly with Dr. Bob. He lived in my neighborhood. And there was a time when I was friendly with Gil Alexander and he and I don't really talk anymore because we did have some pretty difficult conversations about it. Like we, I, we absolutely, I mean, you may not think we do it enough and that may be fair. We don't do it enough, but that, that, that's, that's fair, but that's also not the point of the podcast to some degree. We started, we started that way. We started doing Touter Sharp from the beginning and trying to call that out. And it, we mean, we don't, I, I, I don't think we do this from, from, from a reasoning standpoint. Like, I, I guess I disagree with the notion that we want to be friendly with touts because there's just not a lot of them that, you know, like if you think that Rob and Cheetah are still touts, then yes, it's you're right. It's not even really I, the question of still, you, you, you keep bringing up the present versus past tense as if it's a meaningful distinction. Well, it is to me because I, I think ultimately, like, I, what you said is, would they ever renounce or denounce what they did as, as touts? Uh, I think Cheetah would, and we can have him on and talk about it, but you don't want us to have him on anymore because he's uh, once a tout. That, that, you are correct that I wouldn't want you to have him on. I, I think that such people should be deplatformed. So, I mean, so, it's, it's a very interesting philosophical standpoint. I, I understand I, what you're saying. I think you're being harsh on us, but I... No, no, no. I'm being you. friendly and kindly to you guys. <laughs> you should see the rest of Seville. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're happy to have those guys on and, and have this discussion. But at some point, this breaks down into, you know, the, the idea of, again, like, does... is so cheetah and rob should be black marked forever basically oh god yes so can i ask you this, a question seth if sure. if seville people are against going on any podcast or interacting with people that have a black mark or that have had people that have a black mark on like where do you draw that line and how do you actually get your message out i mean i think to a certain degree you need an audience to be able to sort of uh to be able to sort of influence things and 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 that change in any industry, right? I'm sorry, what does needing an audience have to do with this? Needing Anyone an audience? If you, want, if you want to educate people on basically 
how scammy touts are and, and how the ecosystem works, you need people to listen to you. That's my okay, point. Okay, but that doesn't mean you have to be friendly with touts. I'm still, I'm still not following the logic here. No, I mean, I guess the logic is, is more um, that I guess I don't, if your logic basically is that it's guilt by association, right? It's the guilt by association of you guys? Or anybody that interacts with touts or, or former touts or people that said hi to a tout oh, yeah. on the street if you, corner if you're, one if day. If you're giving them a platform, if you are... Um, I guess what I'm saying is we're not giving anybody a platform to sell picks. We're not... No, I mean, it, it's not a, the argument I, is essentially like how hard a stance do you take no, I understand on the tout that. industry? And the, the Seville people are saying they don't think we take a hard enough stance. Let me, let me, and that's let me put it in a simple fashion. Sprager, I believe, is 100% right on the correct stance to take towards touts. If you are deviating from that stance, I believe the problem is you and not Sprager. And I do believe you guys are, in fact, deviating from that stance. It's fair. It's a fair. I mean, it, it, Rufus, like, but you, I, mean, I again, get so much crap like, for, I mean, look at the crap I get from like Ed from right angle sports, for example. And I'm, when I, when I talk about how touts are, you know, no, but Rufus, like the point, the point like, of this not is, all touts are bad. The, the, Seth's, Seth's point is valid essentially, which is, just, which is to say like, if we were really to take a hard line on touts, like we've said this before, you would never go on Gil's podcast with like Mark Marco and whomever Vegas runner or whatever, because well, you're I, I called using, them out and then they didn't air that podcast episode where I, you know, I, 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 I got Rufus, that. Yeah. Okay. But like, you, I hear you. There, this Even is a very hard is, line that, that Seth's taking and it's, it's a different line and it's fair for him to call us out. Cause it's a different line than, than we've had. Um, it, it is hard Seth to, to do media in sports and not sports betting and not have anyone that once sold picks at some level. It's harder I'm than sorry, you think to find people. What? What's up? I, I, is, is, I, I, I need an actual second here. It, that, that comment just blows my mind. You're saying that if you want to have a podcast, let's say bet the process, you cannot have a show you think realistically without inviting on touts slash former touts. I think that the, the Venn diagram of people that are willing to talk about sports betting and um, that are good at it and that once sold picks, I mean, I, I think that there is... They're, they're, you, think that's they're, a, you think if not a circle, then close to one? Well, so the, the no, I don't think it's... A, I, I, I think it, there is a lot of overlap there, unfortunately. And I think if what you're saying to us is for us to be quote unquote clean, it's never have anyone on that at any point in their life sold picks, then, then that's a fair criticism, but it's probably not one that we agree with. And your basis for not agreeing is you don't think you'd be able to find enough guests. Is that correct? Do I have that correct? Um, I don't think we'd be able to find the right kind of guests that we think uh, pro would provide entertainment to our listeners. So this is an entertainment podcast, not what I would say an educational one, although the mind boggles. Um, so you, you say 
to be entertaining, you need these people. Um, I think it helps with us. I mean, I think Rufus and I have limited ability to be entertaining. And so it's, it's uh, helpful to have other people that are entertaining. I don't know if you've read the reviews of this podcast, but I I did on October 30th. You guys had a whole slew of reviews. Oh yeah. Yeah. We got a whole bunch of of new listeners surprisingly. Yeah. That, that whole thing, I, I'm just going to move on. Um, My only comment on that is you, Rufus, you should know you lay down with dogs, get fleas. So, so Seth, I'll, I'm going to ask you the, the, the same sort of pointed question that you asked us, which I Go think ahead. is fair. Do you think that Rufus and I are, and you can separate us out, are a net negative or a net positive for the betting industry at large? So I'm going to separate you out. Um, let's start with you, Jeff. You, I don't want to say hosted, but you were the chair or the host of the Sloan 2019 conference. Uh, there was a sports betting uh, panel. Yes. It was like an hour and six minutes long. How would you rate your performance there? 2019. Which one? That was the most recent one. That was with Matthew Berry and Kip Levin and... And Sharon something? No, that was two years ago with Sharon, I think. Okay, so I, I saw a link to one of those YouTube videos. But I have not to my knowledge, watched any of these to completion, but I've watched snippets. I've been directed to watch snippets of them. And I will say that your performance in those conferences was a net negative. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think when you see are presented with such incredible bullshit, you have a choice to either call it out or stand silent. And I believe in general, you've chosen to be friendly and not be a dick. Now, here in Seville, we would have gone the other way. Yeah, I mean, I think you got there. This is one area where I will probably disagree in terms of those performances because you are in a little bit of a difficult position. If, they, if, I, if I completely alienate myself in that conversation, I will not be up there anymore. And the person that will be up there will be a thousand times worse and complicit with whatever's going on. I try to challenge as much as I can in those situations. And I think I can send you snippets of times when I have strongly called people out in those panels. And, but I, I, I mean, I think, I think it's fair, but again, like if, if someone from Seville was up there, it, it wouldn't be very long before there was no longer someone from Seville up there. You have either of you ever watched this show Death Clock? It was on Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. Actually, it might not have, I think it was on Adult Swim. Are not. you familiar with the show at all? Have you heard of it? No. Have heard of you? No. All right. In that case, I'll just give the example. So you're you're saying that you are kind and friendly to these people because otherwise you'd be fucking with your bread and butter. It's not my bread and butter, right? Like, I don't make money off of doing that. that well, I'm not just talking about the Sloan Conference. I'm also talking about finding guests for your show. You are friendly to these people because otherwise well, I, you would not I be able I'm to not, your I'm not friendly. I'm not friendly with anyone that I still think is, is you know, the, I think the distinction that, you, that you're making here with all these people is if someone's out there still selling picks or I think that they're ever going to sell picks again, I would not want to have them on the show. In the case of like Cheetah, 
he he was doing this when he was very he was selling picks when he was very young and he did not really know a ton about the market and what was going on there now you may just say that's naive or that's bullshit and that's fine but like fundamentally i don't think he really knew enough about the industry to understand the the moral hazards of selling picks so you know and he didn't have like a big bankroll at all at that point so he was just trying to build up a bankroll somehow and i mean again like I'm not saying it was right that he sold picks, but I'm just saying why I do believe fundamentally he's different. He's not someone that would ever sell picks again. That's fine. We, we have our positions. Um, my concern, again, to answer your question is I do believe you're a net negative because I believe that in general, you choose to be friendly and give a platform to people and not challenge people who should be challenged. You should be called out in their bullshit. And in the case of the Sloan Conference, you should be told to fuck off. And if that means you're not invited back, it means you're not invited back. But at least you die a hero. Um, all right, now the same question applies to Rufus. And I guess my question is, what impact on the gambling industry? As, as a media personality. I mean, apart from the podcast, do you exist? I guess <laughs> Twitter. exists on Twitter. Twitter? I mean, think about the whole Michael Schwimmer stuff, and I don't know. I mean, Schwimmer obviously should be in jail, but I, <laughs> I... Okay. All right. Let's talk about the Schwimmer situation. The, the, lead, the lead was buried on this one. The big thing is, you took the call. What, what call? To go out and visit. <laughs> Rufus, you just walked right into this one. The call, well, I didn't know what the call was about. I'm sorry, could you, you were invited to go out and then you were given. I was invited uh, for a secret You were NDA'd. Remember you, you said you couldn't talk about it until he did first. And once he did, you were free to talk about it, but you had the NDA. Well, I was just afraid of being sued and, you know, you, well, you know what you, know you said before, point, don't lie point. with, Yeah. You're invited out, you're presented an NDA, and you must have been given some information on what this was about. Correct. So yeah, you took the call. That's on you. But the call, I mean, the what was it about wasn't specifically like tout at that point. What was it about? What I was angling for was something on the operator side. Of what? Operating what? A book. Sports book, but that's so you neither here nor you, there. He wanted, he said he was going to open up a sports book, and that was someone you'd be willing to partner with. Rufus, you had say, no knowledge I, of his history. Just say that the time you spent his with his history Swimmer was a mistake, and yeah, of course, leave it at that. I mean, but again, this is this is another case of lying down with dogs. Like, wait, what you if you lie down with someone? Guy, wait, what you if you lie down with someone with the dog's name? Is that the same thing? No, it's not. Okay. Um, but the point is, you took a call from this guy on the, the concept of you'd be operating a sports book with him. No, no, that arm. wasn't the call. He had, oh, what was some, the call he had some great idea, and, and then we started. Rufus, Rufus just say I'm it not, was a mistake. It was a yeah, mistake. Yeah, what? Okay. No, it no, no, no. We, we can all but agree we can, it was a mistake, we, but we, we disagree with why it was a mistake. You think it's a mistake to what to take a call from a scumbag well, i didn't know that is a mistake i didn't to get know who he was 
You didn't know who he was. Well, I knew he was a former relief pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies who had That's a, fine. Did you Google anything else about him? Who in the company Big League Advance. Okay, right. Bingo. So you, you, you brought the idea. You went out and you were going to manage a sports book. That's what you were looking to do. No, I mean, there was ideas thrown around. Um, I mean, like in, in, in Rufus's defense, Seth, he's constantly searching for some purpose in his life beyond sports betting. And so if someone that has had some level of success before in business calls to talk about a business opportunity, I think Rufus has a pretty low bar for taking that call because he's interested in other things that he can do besides just sports betting. Is that pretty fair, Rufus? I think that's fair. I probably should raise my bar. Yeah, I think we can agree it's a pretty fucking low bar. <laughs> All right, any more, any more uh, insults? Wait, wait, am I, net, wait, wait am I still am I net negative as well? I mean, yes. I think yes. just by the very virtue of this podcast, we're, he's saying we're a net no, no, negative. No, 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 not by the virtue of the podcast, by the virtue of the fact that you were willing to partner with awful people and yeah. willing to work with them or even work for them. That's or, a problem. I didn't, wait, he, are you just you, talking about you, the people we have on the up. podcast? You, you, you took the call. I never, you signed I never worked the NDA. with Schwimmer. What was that? Right. I never worked with or for Schwimmer. No, but you no. took the call and you signed the NDA and you in talked some about ways working you did with him. You him, didn't take you the did, deal. In some ways, you, you did give him some level of credibility by even taking that call, right? That's so certainly not a good thing. It's not, not my major concern, okay. but it is not a good thing. Fair enough. Look, so long as you're willing to associate with bad people, you're going to be a net negative. If you choose to join Seville and stand against them and tell them to go fuck themselves, then maybe the tides will turn. Good to know. <laughs> Appreciate it, Seth. Look, we're harsh but fair. <laughs> I have no problem with Seville. And honestly, like at the end of the day, like, you know, I, there, much of what you say, I agree with. I think we just differ probably on, on approach. <laughs> no, we differ on the fact that you guys want an audience. You want to be friendly with people that Seville has no need to be friendly with. That's fair in terms of the, the reason why we want to be friends with them is probably a little bit different, but that's, that's, that's fair. As so. you wish. Give me a second. I just want to see if they have any further questions, if any other ones came up. Uh, uh, Are you going to yep. miss your drawing? And no, uh, it was pushed back to uh, seven. So I'm good. But I will go off now. I'm going to take a few minutes. So, all right. We will see whether or not I'll ever be able to feel clean again. Well, Thanks thank you lot, for coming so on, Seth. We, I really we appreciate, appreciate you coming on. And I hope, I hope the roasting was worth the, your time. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel guilt. I think Norm was right about this one, but we'll see. All right, man. Thanks for coming on. Have a good night, guys. Simulate system to break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded.